Maybe this is something you can relate to. Have you ever felt like you've gotten a raw deal in life? I think we all have. Like you didn't get what you deserved or wanted. Thinking that what you have in life is so restricting. It's so small. We need more. Why is my marriage so restrictive? It's not what I thought it would be. Why am I still single? I feel such a restriction on my life of joy and happiness. Why am I working where I work? My job, it seems so constricting in my life. And because of that, you cry out to God like uh, the children of Israel do here, the sons of Joseph, and say, this isn't enough. I want more. It's not what I expected. This is amazing grace. When life hasn't turned out the way we had hoped or the circumstances around us are painfully crushing, we often lose our contentment and we start complaining, much like the children of Joseph that we'll hear about today on Abounding Grace. You see, they felt as though the lot they'd been given by God wasn't enough. They wanted more. If we're not careful, the very same attitude can creep into our lives. So let's join Pastor Ed Taylor now in Joshua chapter 17 and cultivate contentment in our lives. Would you please take your Bibles, open them to the book of Joshua, Joshua chapter 17. Joshua chapter 17. Now in our verse-by-verse study in the Gospel of John, we are just out of the Garden of Gethsemane. In the Garden of Gethsemane, we address that time of Jesus' prayer in the Garden. And then remember Judas, he betrays Jesus and comes with this large group of Roman soldiers. Judas comes up and kisses Jesus, and he's betrayed. And then we turn our attention to Peter in our time, in our study last time. And the topic of Peter was how he responded to everything. And we concluded that Peter was in a uh, form of backsliding. His response was to go away from the Lord. His response was to take steps away from the Lord. And we looked at those steps in depth. We titled the message, How to Be a Good Backslider. And the, and the intent was to catch people's eyes so that they, in their ears, so they might listen to the Bible study and learn how not to be a good backslider. If you weren't here with us, you should get the study. So it goes together with today's study. At the end of looking at Peter, we said and asked the question, and if you're backsliding, th- this is what you're to do. And we turned to Revelation chapter 2. And I gave you three words. We didn't develop them very much, but we gave you three words as Jesus comes to the church in Ephesus in Revelation chapter 2 and says, I see a lot of great things going on. I see a lot of activity. But nevertheless, I have this against you. You've left your first love. And Jesus' instruction to the church in Ephesus is his instruction to us. Remember from where you have fallen. Repent of that sin. And return or repeat the first works. And in a very simple way, that's God's word to anyone that turns away from him. Anyone that is on the way, on the path away from him like Peter was. Now, of course, Peter was told he was going to backslide. 
but at the same time was given the encouragement, when you return, strengthen your brethren. Well, backsliding often begins of the many different sources. It begins with a sense of discontentment in our current situation. A sense of discontentment. Not being happy or satisfied with where we currently are, with what we currently have with the Lord. It can be some of the greatest that we've ever had and still not be content. It could be the fulfillment of the fullness of the promises of God. And if we're not careful, we can still find ourselves unhappy and discontent. Discontentment is a first step often of walking away and turning our backs on the Lord. Consider the children of Israel here in Joshua chapter 17. The nation of Israel was brought into what is known as the promised land. The land that God promised to them. The land that was given to them. And how difficult it must have been for this nation, this group of people, to be in Egypt as slaves. Under great bondage serving the Pharaoh. And how they must have wondered, what will happen to the promises of God? I mean, I know that God is there, and I know what God has promised, but look at my current condition. This can't be the promises of God. This can't be what God has for me. And it was a tough time. We know that. It was a mo- you know, tough time is an understatement. We know it was difficult because according to Exodus chapter 6, verse 9, it says, Moses spoke thus to the children of Israel, but they did not heed Moses because of the anguish of spirit and the cruel bondage. Their experience in Egypt, this fledgling nation, was one of anguish of spirit and cruelty of bondage. And yet, what did God do? He raised up a deliverer by the name of Moses. And he used Moses to deliver the children of Israel out of Egypt. And he did deliver. And they were just about 11 days from entering into the land that God had promised. Leaving bondage and cruelty and going into the promises of God, the newness of life. It's a great picture, by the way of the relationship that you and I have as believers with Jesus Christ. God took us from bondage and delivered us into new life, into the experiences of the promises that he's given to us. For, for the nation, it was just about an 11-day journey. That's it, 11 days, a couple weeks. A little bit under a couple weeks, and they would go from one of the worst experiences in their lives to one of the best experiences in their lives. And they were just, all that separated them, if you take out a map, and you see where they were in Egypt, and you draw a line as the crow flies, as how far it would have been, just about 11 days, 11 days, 11 days. That was until, until the faithless, fearful report of the 10 spies comes back. You see... They sent 12 spies into the land to check out the land. Kind of a reconnaissance trip. Tell us how it's going to be. Tell us what we're up against. And one leader from each of the tribes of Israel was sent into the promised land to bring back a report. How is it? What's it going to be? How difficult will it be? And two of the spies, two of the spies, two of the men came back with a glowing report. One of them was named Caleb. The other one was named Joshua. They came back and said, yes, it's exactly what God, there's giants in the land, there's difficulty in the land, there is great fruit in the land, we need to go. God said, go, we're going to go. 
the ten, spy, ten other spies, they come back with the, they saw the same thing. They experienced the same thing, but they came back with such a different report. Isn't it interesting how you can have two people that see the same thing, experience the same thing, but come back with two very different perspectives? I guess it could be the difference between an optimist and a pessimist. They see the same thing. They experience the same thing. But one comes back negative. One comes back positive. Well, the 10 came back negative and threw the entire nation into fear and faithlessness. Oh, no. There are giants in the land. They're so big. It's going to be so hard. We shouldn't go. And it was because of their fear, fear, fearfulness and faithlessness that 11 days turned into 14,000 days. 11 days turned into 14,000 days. We often refer to that as the 40 years of wilderness wandering. Well, about 40 years is about 14,000 days. It's a long time to take an 11-day journey and turn it into 14,000 days. You know what the sad thing is? It's not just the faithlessness and it's not just the fear and it's not just the 40 years of wilderness wandering. It's not just taking 11 days and making it 14,000 days. What's even more tragic is that at the end of the 14,000 days, that first generation of Israelites died in the wilderness with the exception of Joshua and Caleb and their children and perhaps a few grandchildren. A whole generation died without faith their bones buried in the wilderness being delivered from Egypt but never really experiencing the promises of God that's a great definition of the end result of backsliding you know being delivered from sin having the guilt and shame removed no longer an enmity against God, no longer fighting God, and yet your whole life spent wandering aimlessly, never accomplishing the will and the purposes of God, taking something that was meant to be such a great benefit and blessing to you as a believer and instead wasting it and throwing it away with aimless living spent in this world. After the transition of leadership from Moses to Joshua, we now have the next generation entering into the land. Because the promises of God will not be thwarted. He will keep his promises. And when they come into the land at the beginning of the book, they come to the very first city, the city of Jericho. It's a big, large, formidable city with large walls and strong army. And they seek God out. They send a couple spies in. Rahab is the one that receives them, gives them information. They come back. But it wasn't the kind of uh, reconnaissance like, well, whatever they say is going to change our mind. It only established them. Joshua learned his lesson, and he sought the Lord. And the Lord gave him a military campaign. But it was a very abnormal campaign. Instead of getting your armaments and, and taking all of the military expertise, they were just told, hey, Joshua, take the guys and walk around the wall. And on the seventh day, walk around seven times and then yell. And the walls will fall down. And that's exactly what they did. So unexpected. I mean, it's, it's almost like when you hear something from God, and it sounds so silly and it sounds so counterintuitive, but it's the will of God for your life that all God wants you to do. He doesn't want you to figure it out. He just wants you to do it. He's figured it out for you. And what did they experience in Jericho? Victory, victory, victory. But they were told, when you go into Jericho, don't take anything. It all belongs to the Lord. Don't take anything. 
And then we learn that Achan hid a few things under his tent. They come into Ai. They don't seek God. It's a smaller city. They get a military campaign worked up. They go out. They try to fight the city only to experience defeat. And you can learn from the city of Ai, when you fail to seek the Lord, death will be a result. And Achan is found out. You learn the lesson of sin in the camp. And thus is the history of the children of Israel. The ups and the downs. The ups of obedience, the downs of disobedience. It will mark the children of Israel even to this day as it marks humanity in your life and mine. It's important that we realize that God is going to keep his promises. And by the time we get to the end of Joshua 17, not only are they in the land, not only have they fought a few battles, but they have been victorious. And they are now getting their allotments. What was promised to them? The different areas of the land, which is known today as Israel, and all the area north and south, much larger than present-day Israel, they are getting what God promised them that they are receiving all that God said they would get. And as we come to the end of chapter 17, we have the children of Joseph getting their lot in life, receiving their lot. And this is the generation that wandered with their parents. This is the generation that watched it all occur. It isn't it true, whether it's been in our own lives or in the lives of others, we have seen wandering. We've seen people wander. I have seen over the years very strong, solid men and women of God used to great heights and capacities by the Spirit of God through a series of decisions. I know some of them that aren't even walking with God today. Have no desire to press into the things of God. Have no desire to live their lives with God as their priority. Unfortunately, they're not living what Jesus instructed us to live, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. I know it's happened in my own life, even though it's, it's not something I, I want in my life, it's not something I desire in my life, but there have been seasons of wandering in my life. There have been seasons of doubting. There have been seasons of questioning God. There have been seasons where one day I'm so strong and the next day I wonder, how did I get so weak? And everything in between. Now, have you guys ever had any times like that? Or are you just like upset and kind of concerned that your pastor is a little messed up? Are you guys doing a little elbow, trying to find another church, honey? Because man. But I mean, I think in a small way, we all go through things. Or in a larger way. And, and I, I know my heart's desire is I don't want to wander. I don't want to find myself in a wandering place. I don't want to be in a place where I was, I was like I was in the world. Fortunately, in my life, it's not been disqualifying or it hasn't been something where, you know, the Lord just says, okay, Ed, enough of that. But it's been enough to say, you know, I don't want to wander in my life. I spent too much of my past life before I knew Jesus Christ wandering around this world looking for satisfaction, looking for comfort, looking for ease. Peter described it in 1 Peter chapter 1. He described my life and yours apart from Christ as aimless conduct. Just going nowhere fast. Only to come up at the short end of the stick of sin and compromise with all of its consequences. You know, sin does bring consequence. Continually. 
We see that throughout the scriptures. Compromise, messing around, dabbling in sin. The Bible says in Galatians 6, don't be deceived. What you sow is what you reap. Guys, if you could only sit at my desk or the desk of the men and women that do biblical discipleship here. You know, if we could only put a little camera up in the corner, we could never do that uh, because of confidentiality. But if you just were able to sit in and just listen in uh, for the person across from my desk as they're sharing their life story, looking for a Bible answer, and as they're sharing their life story, it's the absolute damaging uh, work of sin in their lives. Whether it was their sin, whether it was a sin of their spouse or their friend or their kids. If you could, I know we just read it in Exodus about the anguish of the, of the children of Israel, but you know, you can see anguish too. You can hear anguish. You, you can watch it. You can, you can feel at the deepest levels what anguish is in someone's life, especially as the result of sin and bondage, especially when they find themselves in the middle of it, especially when they find themselves as the source of the bad decisions. I, I think the closest thing that you could get to in that, if you're not the one talking to someone, is listening to our live radio broadcast during the week in the afternoons and listening to the people calling. Now, I know you can't really get a big grasp of it because we can't see them uh, and we're not sitting with them and we only get five or ten minutes with them. But, but five or ten minutes in some of the cases is more than enough to understand the devastation of sin in their lives. And there'll be seasons when I'm, I'm reaching out, I'm talking to someone, and I, I can, the Holy Spirit just reveals to me that whether it's the twinge of their voice or the way they put the question together, or, I mean, I can just, I, I, the Lord just is able to reveal to me that this is much deeper than a radio five-minute, ten-minute conversation is going to be able to handle. It's so much more. They're only giving the tip of the iceberg. They're just chipping away. They finally took the first step and, and we want to connect them with someone human in front of them so that they can walk through this together and, and make sure that they are strong in the things of God and get through this over time. But sin brings consequence. And the more that you hear of brokenness, it may, it may well stir you up to holy and righteous living so that you might be able to help others in times of need, that you might be able to stand on a strong footing. But you really don't need to sit where I sit Studying through the Bible will give you that insight as we're shown the consequences of unbelief and irresponsible decisions all throughout the scriptures. Wandering around aimlessly is such a waste of time and so contrary to God's plan for your life and mine. Why such a great emphasis in the last few weeks on backsliding has been given to you? Is this not God's heart for you to backslide? Certainly I know people listening on the radio right now, you're backsliding And the reason you're backsliding is because of any of the steps that you've made and taken, and you're listening to the radio because you don't want to be in church. It's not that you completely don't like God, but it's also you don't want to be in church because then there's going to be a heavy conviction. But with the radio, you can just turn it off. With the radio, you hear something, you can just turn off and move on to something else. And yet at the same time, the reason you're listening to the radio or somebody gave you this message and you're listening to it is because you do have a hunger for God. And it's a battle, like the Bible says in Romans chapter 7. The flesh lusts against the spirit and the spirit against the flesh. And the two are contrary to one another so that we don't do the things that we wish. Wandering around wastes a life. Which brings us to this section in Joshua chapter 17. There's a generation finally coming to receive what is theirs, their inheritance from God. They didn't deserve it. They didn't earn it. It's God's gift to them. And here are the children of Joseph. You'll draw your attention to verse 14. They received their lot 
And they answered Joshua, saying, Why have you given us but one lot and one portion to inherit? Since we are a great people, inasmuch as the Lord has blessed us until now. They, they aren't happy with what they've been given. They're not happy with the area of land. It's not big enough in their estimation. It's restricting them. They want more. They want something else. They're discontented, unhappy. And I believe it's a relevant place for us to study in our culture today, where we are with everything that's going on around in the economy, not only the world economy, but your own, with our lives not only living up to what we expected or what we wanted or what we dreamed of, with our place perhaps in ministry being restrictive or at work, what we're doing for a living and where we work or where we're looking for work, where we live, there tends to be that same consistent battle we, that we have with our flesh concerning where we are presently in life. As the children of Joseph say, we have this lot, but we don't like it. We want more. And yet this was what God had given them. Even as your lot in life and mine is what God has given us, where he wants us for his plan and purposes. And so let me ask you a question, one of many today. Have you ever felt like you've gotten a raw deal in life? I think we all have. Like you didn't get what you deserved or wanted. Thinking that what you have in life is so restricting. It's so small. We need more. Why is my marriage so restrictive? It's not what I thought it would be. Why am I still single? I feel such a restriction on my life of joy and happiness. Why is my ministry or what I'm doing for God seem to be so restrictive? Why am I working where I work? My job, it seems so constricting in my life. Why am I living where I live? Why is my apartment so restrictive? Why is the room that I rent so restrictive? By this time in my life, I should be. And I feel like the walls are pressing in on me. And because of that, you cry out to God like uh, the children of Israel do here, the sons of Joseph, and say, This isn't enough. I want more. This is not what I expected. Contentment, like many other things in our lives, have everything to do with faith. And let me put it away where you can understand. If we trust God where we are today, like if you could say as I'm asking these questions, you could say, yes, I trust God where I am today. This is where God wants me. It may not be all that I had imagined, but I'm happy where I'm at. God is using me where I'm at, and I'm hopeful and looking forward to all that God may have for me. But even if he has nothing more, I'm happy with him. Now, if you're in a place where you're content where you're at, then believing God is very easy for you. <laughs> I mean, if you're happy where you're at, then trusting God and having much faith is an easy thing where you're taking steps of faith and you're happy and you're joyful and yes, Lord, I'm so satisfied. You're so good to me. If we like where we're at, we're much quicker to trust God. If we don't like where we're at, it may even get to the point where you blame God and you're mad at him and you're upset and asking God to change the circumstances of your life. I think we've all been there at one time or another, and that's why it's so important that we receive biblical encouragement like this to stir up contentment and thankfulness in our lives. We'll save the rest of Pastor Ed Taylor's message, Develop What You Have, for next time. This is Abounding Grace. 
You can hear this message again when you visit us online at AboundingGraceRadio.com or hear Abounding Grace through our app. Search for Ed Taylor in the App Store or Google Play to download that for free today. Still looking for a stocking stuffer or a meaningful gift for that special someone in your life? I'd like to suggest our resource of the month, a book by Lee Strobel called The Case for Christmas. Taking the approach of a journalist, Lee Strobel searches out the true identity of the child in the manger. He consults experts on the Bible, archaeology, and messianic prophecy. We'll send it your way when you support Abounding Grace with a gift of $25 or more. And you can place a resource request when you call toll-free at 877-30-GRACE. Again, that's 877-30-GRACE. You can also order resources like this at calvaryco.store. That's calvaryco.store. Please remember this radio ministry is made possible through your generous support. And as the year comes to an end, this would be a wonderful time to hear from you. Help us finish the year strong. To make a donation to the ministry, you can do that online at aboundinggraceradio.com. Thank you again for helping us reach out through the radio with the gospel and truth of Jesus Christ. We'll get back into the Gospel of John next time on Abounding Grace with Pastor Ed Taylor. We'll see you then. This is amazing grace. This is unfailing love. That you would take my place. That you would bear my cross. You Abounding Grace is brought to you by Calvary Church, Colorado, here in Aurora.